Hey, everybody. Welcome to Listen Money Matters. Showing off is the fool's idea of glory. My name is Matt, and I'm here, as always, with Andrew. Andrew, how are you? I'm going to be sincere. How are you? And what are you drinking? What are you drinking? <laughs> Good. I, uh, mm. I had two babies. Yes. Um, yes. Congratulations. That was, thank you. It, it has dominated my life pretty hardcore. I bet. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been a while since we've uh, actually. I mean, like, I mean, most. I mean, we record these in batches mostly, but mm-hmm. not to give too much of how the sausage is made. But yeah, you've been uh, you've been kind of having to deal with children. Yeah, and we haven't really recorded in a long time. You know, I was calculating so because um, we have twins, and yeah. then it's like uh, we have to feed them every three hours, mm. and so I was like trying to calculate how many like asses I've wiped mm-hmm. or like mouths I feed and fed and like in like five weeks i've already changed over 200 some odd diapers so wow, not to like, say that i'm the premier diaper expert of new jersey sure but you know close okay well i'm glad you uh glad you're keeping track of this in a spreadsheet uh, your obviously shit, your sh- shit spreadsheet <laughs> my I mean, shitty spreadsheet so okay i mean yeah you got a lot going on and it's the new year and we're uh i mean this is the time of year where everyone's gonna like start doing their financial shit Right? And we're going to get your shit on track. Is that what we're doing uh, today? Yeah, we're getting everyone My personal shit? Yeah, I think we need to get your shit on track. Yeah, well, we got to get a spreadsheet first so we can track that <laughs> shit. <laughs> All right. I'm just it. drinking a nitro light and sweet cream ale. Uh, uh-huh. My friend Alice gave it to me as like kind of a congratulation gift for the kids. Oh. Got two cans. Uh, I will probably burn them this month. Yeah, let me go through them. In into my mouth, burn them into my mouth. Yeah, so I'm traveling uh back to New Jersey for a little bit, and I'll be up there, and uh, you have a gift awaiting for me as well. But you don't have it yet, Ooh. so you Ooh, don't know. I'm excited. <laughs> uh, I am drinking my own beer. I I um then I have a little canning operation in my kitchen, so I am drinking uh one of the first things that I put into cans, which is my Kolsch. Um, and you can see it there. It's like the it's like a Ooh. regular 16 ounce can. With a black sticker on it and some magic marker, and yeah, that's going to be my my goal next year is to like try to brew every single week, get better at my craft. And by next beers. year, you mean this year twenty? I mean this year. Not 20... to explain too much of how the sausage. Yes, made. but this year twenty twenty. Welcome <laughs> to the fray. We're here. We're in it. Uh, I want to thank our very first brand new catchphrase of the year goes to Kelly Odell. Via our Facebook group. It is a quote from Bruce Lee. Mm. Showing off is the fool's idea of glory. I love that. It's a great, it's a great quote from Bruce Lee. And thank you to Kelly for sending that in. What are we talking about today? We're talking about uh where we are gonna be putting our money in 2020. Oh yeah, we rhyme. <laughs> and uh that question has never been more important to us personally, especially especially considering the direction the winds are blowing and our feelings with what is happening in the world today. God, don't make it like totally sound like you're reading. I'm not. That was something that was fresh off the (laughs) dome. Look, we we have talked in the past about like recession this, what economists think that. Yep. Um, We have formulated our own opinions if you listen to the show. And so a lot of like what we do is based around our our worldview. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the key pieces of the worldview is that we don't know really much of anything yeah um and so so you know based on broad feelings we kind of want to see if we're moving roughly in the right direction yeah so i wanted to share what i am doing Mm -hmm. and i mean if you are interested and want to share what you're doing okay that sounds good so um what's coloring our decisions in 2020 what do we what do we what are you thinking about so um personally i feel that you got babies (laughs) well, <laughs> that's a that's a big that's a big factor. Yes, that okay. that is a big factor. D- doesn't necessarily change my investing approach. Okay, that's interesting. Um, but uh, but things are getting expensive, and so what do you mean by that? Kinda, so if you look at like the PE index, uh, like the Schiller PE index, it's like uh, price to earnings ratio. It's mm, like okay. um, what people will pay for one dollar of earnings from a company. Um, where we were briefly at like i think the second highest point ever in the market now we're at like i guess the third highest but we're really close to an extremely expensive point um and you i kind of like look at companies like i own apple and yeah since like 
2009 to 2018, their PE was like between 12 and 15, which means you would pay 12 or $15 for one earning dollar from Apple. Okay. And it was like consistent. And now they're at like 23, you know, and Amazon, they're at like 77. So people are going to pay $77 for one, you know, why do you think? Yeah. But why do you think things are getting expensive? Like now is just because we've been in a, in a, you know, bullish market for so long there's a ton of money swashing around sloshing yeah. around in the system yeah we actually have a great episode coming up that like I, we're not recording today but i planned based on stuff ray dalio has been talking about okay uh governments are printing money and th- things are kind of crazy right now yeah and so investors are chasing returns um and i am not one to want to buy a honda civic for thirty thousand when i could buy it for twenty thousand yeah and i kind of feel that about a lot of stocks out there so So i feel okay so so you think things are just you know basically investing is getting more expensive right i'm i'm hunting for deals yes i i want to you know i'm not gonna say that i know apple is gonna go up or or whatever Mm -hmm. but i think if you can buy something at a fair value at least you know it's not going to crash hard right you know yeah you know if if say there was a house and all of the materials to build the house was worth ten thousand dollars and you bought it for ten thousand dollars that's like super fair right okay so what else, that's what one el- thing oh yeah what else what else is coloring your decisions this year um diversification uh i've become more attuned to like the risk that i've taken on over the years and uh given my feelings of the market i want to take actions that will perhaps reduce my downside or or remove my concentration of money into specific areas like the stock market yes because the stock market itself while you can diversify within it it's still the whole freaking stock market it's just all stocks right exactly if you own the vanguard total stock market fund it's super diversified but you don't own any bonds you know? Right, but also you don't own anything outside of the like they always say that the economy does not reflect like the the, the stock market is not a reflection of the economy, mm. right? And so like when the stock market crashes, everyone's like, oh no, the economy. And it's like, no, that's actually not they don't they're not the same thing. And exactly. so like, yeah, you want to you want to have investments outside of the stock market. Which is a core concern of mine. Which I mean, you do have three still, still three rental properties. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. Which you, which is definitely outside of that. Um, what else are you looking at? You know, kind of quickly outside we, of. We we will get to that. Okay, we'll get to it. Um, because I definitely am feeling kind of the same way. Although there's very little things that I want to get in investing wise, but we will talk about that. I guess. Um, is there anything else? So you're so you're mostly concerned about things are getting expensive. You want to diversify even more than you already are, mm. or have I perhaps discovered that we're maybe more concentrated than I thought we were? Of course. And for example, the stock market. Yep. Which is at all time highs and super expensive. Mm-hmm. Um. We're so we're looking in areas that are perhaps less popular. Um. And then also just kind of investing in a way that like um again. I don't know what's going to happen. Yes. I don't know really anything. Yep. And so just splitting my chips up across yeah. a bunch of different bets, yeah. basically. Yeah. You put a little bit at this table. You bet a little bit over at this table, a little bit mm-hmm. of blackjack, a little bit of roulette. Eventually, you'll come out on the end, right? That's how, yeah. that how, that's how it works. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And- so you don't go to the casino and just put all of your chips into one roulette table. You got to split those chips across multiple tables. I, t- I take $5,000. <laughs> I put it all on seven. Yep. And uh, if it doesn't work, you know, <laughs> I just take $5,000 out again and put it all on stuff. Don't gamble. How about that? That's right. Oh, I mean, you know what makes me really sad? Hmm. When I go home, I was I was home in uh, in, in Jersey, and I go to, like, the, the Wawa, and now Wawa has these, like, and if you're not familiar with Wawa, it's like a 7-Eleven, but only in, like, the tri-state area. And they have, they started installing a couple years ago scratch-off ticket machines, the vending machines oh, wow. being, and I just so you like, don't even have now, to talk to a person to get them. Nope. Now when I go in there, I just see a bunch of people huddled at the machine, just buying tickets and scratching them right then and there, and then buying like more on the side of the machine. They're like, scratching them. Like, yeah. Yes. I just wow. I that's really sad. It's really sad. It's brilliant. Can I buy one and put it outside my apartment so people yeah, can just like huddle out there and it's a yeah. I mean, it's literally like a cash machine mm. if you own it, not if you. 
It's like the reverse of an ATM. People just deposit dollars. It's a reverse ATM. (laughs) Yes, Yes, exactly. I swear people win this. Yes. Statistically, you know, one in 20 million. Yeah, so I'm going to avoid that in the new year, Hmm. (laughs) which I was already avoiding. But what? all right, so is there anything else that you're kind of thinking about for 2020? Like, okay, so you want to diversify, you want to... I, yes. I want to like harp on the expensiveness a bit because okay. you know to to predict what's going to happen in the market. If if you've listened to the show in any stretch, um, you know that we're not uh, proponents of that. Um, but something that I'd kind of talked to you earlier, it was a different thing. But there's this concept of uh, the greater fool theory. Yeah, it's it's an investing concept, um, and it basically means that. Um, if you are buying things that are overvalued, especially if you perhaps know that they're overvalued, um, you're just literally buying them to sell them at a higher value in the future. So this could be like house flipping and what happened in 2008, um, like things that clearly are not what they should be, what, what you're paying for. And the whole reason you do it is because you bought it at a high price and you're just hoping that there's going to be a bigger fool that's going to buy it from you like Later when you're on. done. You know, before like the hot potato music stops. Right. So you're, so you're, uh, all right. So, I mean, let me wrap my head around that for a second. Mm-hmm. So, you know, kind of what I'm looking for at, at, as far as home sales, somewhere where I want to live is I, I, you know, I'm not really a flipper of any type. I don't really see, I'm not, I'm not a real estate shopper. Like I'm not looking for deals in that area. I'm just not that, t- that type of person. I don't, I don't have education in that field. And mm-hmm. so like if I were to, but, but. Let's say I'm like, okay, I want to buy um, a rental property, and I go and buy like the most like turnkey. It's brand new condo in you know L.A. Whatever, like mm. some like ridiculously overpriced, expensive area. And I'm like, great, I'm gonna buy this thing because I do zero research on it, and I just buy the most expensive thing in the hopes that like I can flip it. You know, maybe add a a new backsplash, flip it. You know, six months later, a year later, to to somebody who will pay even more. Mm. So that like, are you saying that just the idea of flipping it, which kind of implies short term and almost has you buying into this greater fool theory? Because if you take this property and you add little or no value to it and it's literally turnkey and you're hoping a few months you could sell it. Yeah. You know, it, it's kind of ridiculous. So, the, so, so does the greater fool theory also kind of coincide with this short term thinking? Is that what is that what you're kind of like implying there? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Right. And you know, it has to just do with not really looking into what maybe the intrinsic value of something, something is. Good. Okay. Um yeah, you're just looking for kind of quick wins. A, a flipping mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, do you think and, all flipping, you know, cuz we I know we've talked about house flipping on the show a long time ago. I don't know if you talked about it more recently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you are not I, I you're not a proponent of it, right? You're just you would never do house flipping. It's not the ultimate goal. I have bought a place and sold it for a profit, but also like lived in it and didn't buy it initially. We actually bought it. We're like, oh, we'll rent this in the future. And then we turned out like we, we hated it. the place. Yeah. You know, it was like a whatever. I think um, if you are, say, for example, like, I don't know, buying Tesla because you think, you know, the cyber know, truck's going to the cyber gonna... truck, you know, it's a short term thing. I'm going to buy or Bitcoin. I'm going to buy it now because oh, in yeah. two months it's going to be super high because it's the, the, all the hype you're buying into. the right. hype. Not because you be- you understand the technology yep. and you believe in the long term prospects. You're like, oh, soon you're going to be able to buy coffee with Bitcoin. Yeah. Or, you know, you're just buying it to literally sell it at a higher price. Like you are perhaps in of the pool of fools, just hopefully not the last fool. Mm, right right and so, so yeah uh with this whole pe thing you know apple is trading at say like 20 a pe of 20 which means you pay 20 dollars for one dollar of earning mm-hmm. and the reason you do that is because you're like apple's gonna grow it's gonna mm-hmm. make more money in the future mm-hmm. right um you know and so maybe 20 makes sense maybe 30 makes sense but you know if say it was 500 that would mean you know they have to grow at an insane rate or with no growth, it would take you 500 years yeah, to right. earn your money back, right. which is ridiculous. Or to double it. What do you mean? Well, I mean, if they're earning, you're not losing that 500. You're not making that money back. You're, I mean, you did right, pay but, for it, but yeah, you're, you still own that stock. Yes. 
So it's um, worth double the amount. Right? Am I doing that math? Am I wrong? There? Well, okay. So if you pay $500 for $1 in earnings, yes. it would take you 500 months, years, whatever the increment is to yes. make to your the, money back. Right, right. And that so the I idea understood. is like, yes. if like everyone else believe it's going to go up and then it goes to 700, you could sell it yeah, to and a that sounds, stupider that sounds person. Like, that sounds expensive. Right. And you could and get so, something that like is $10 and it's not that much out of pocket, but yet you're still earning. Exactly. And so perhaps, you know, uh, the amount that people are paying for the earnings of these tech companies, mm -hmm. it's not that they're doing that much better now than they were in the future. People are just kind of piling on. And that's what it feels like. Is it? Is it? Do you think uh, the hype machine? The hype machine's real, right? Mm. Like I'm sure. Like you know, I think I think when when Tesla announced their Cybertruck, I'm pretty sure their stock dropped. Yeah, because people saw it and they're like, "Ooh, no one's gonna buy this." Right. And then everyone who was like, uh, "I mean, I don't know if you believe that the Cybertruck was dope," which I definitely was. I mean, I was one of those people. Did you were you one of those? Did we ever talk about this? We didn't. Do you do you like the Cybertruck? I think it's cool. I would never own one. I would if never I knew own there was an either. apocalypse happening. Yeah, and I, I needed a right. a whatever proof vehicle to get me through the badlands. I would buy the Cybertruck. I would. Yeah, I don't want to own one either. I think it's awesome. <laughs> I just think it's like I think it's. I know it's divisive, but whatever. Mm. Um, and like even like the Peloton ad when that came out. Remember that? That was like. You know, last month when the Peloton and it came out, and everyone was like calling it sexist. They lost nine percent of their. Oh thing. wow! Yeah, and it's like, uh, okay, it's okay. One ad's not going to destroy a company. Like, give me a break. And interestingly, it has no bearing on the actual profit or money they make. It's just you know opinions of people. yeah of people. So it it you know I think the dummies leave right. The dummies are, you you cleared out all the, cleared out all the suckers now, and so the price is cheaper. Buy more Peloton if you believe in the company. <laughs> And speaking of like these situations, we talked way back when people were complaining about Tesla fires. They thought the batteries would explode, and they yeah. sold the stocks. They were very dramatic, and it was a great buying opportunity for yeah. someone who realized that they like statistically were being dramatic. What increases the price to earnings ratio, and how do I look for that and avoid it? And how do I know like what a bad ratio is? So if you go to Google and you just mm -hmm. type in AAPL, which is okay. Apple, should I do that? You want me to do that? Yeah, sure. Um, as of today, when we're recording this, uh -huh. um, there's like a whole bunch of numbers underneath the graph, and you'll see PE ratio on the left side. Uh, where where am I looking here? On in Google? Yeah, just Google AAPL. Oh, I did APPL. Not Bing. God. Oh, I was Bing. sorry. I was on Bing. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Great. <laughs> I, mean, I just double checked. Definitely stuff. not on Bing. Wait, what Definitely is that? I'm, I'm following it. Oh no! You, yeah, you would be, wouldn't you? Yeah. Uh, but anyways, the PE anyway. ratios on the side says twenty two point four six. Yes. You know, and you can go, and then if you do AMZN, you'll see it's, uh, you know, another graph for Amazon. It's seventy seven point four one. Okay, that's a lot higher. Yeah, it's a lot higher now. You know, but and, isn't that? But isn't that because I mean the stock is valued? I mean it's like Apple's valued at two two hundred and sixty six dollars. And Amazon is at seventeen hundred dollars. Well, the price is arbitrary, uh, right? Because it's just a factor of how many shares are out. Well, yes, there. of course, right. But what the P ratio says is that people are willing to, people are thinking that Amazon is going to grow at three times the rate of Apple. They're going to grow their earnings at three times the rate because their P ratio is three times greater. Um, and if that is true. Or greater, or even more true, say grows a four times, they're going to profit, hmm. right? And if it's not, they're going to lose money. And so as you get to these levels, like I think Amazon's going to grow it one thousand times, you're getting to this point where it's like literally impossible. And so you need someone, a dummy, yeah, to you know buy it at a higher price, or it's going down. Now, is this only um, available in individual stocks? And are you planning on you know buying individual stocks? In 2020, or or so, like what, so, I am like, not buying individual stocks. Okay. But with the Schiller PE index, so if you do S H I L E R PE uh -huh. ratio in Google, um, you'll see this cool site that just takes the market average PE ratio, uh, which is right now at about 30. Uh huh. Um, it's actually higher than Apple, right? Yeah. Um, 
and, you know, and, and it, it's just, uh, and, and it'll show you the, the median and average. Mm-hmm. They're like the mean is about 16. So yep. this is for all time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The median is about like 15.76. So we're at like twice yeah, what twice. the historical. So Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's two times the average. Yeah, which and, and, I believe and is. Do you high. believe that? I, mean, I know we talked about this on a past episode about like because investing in the stock market and index funds has gotten so incredibly easy mm. for people. Do you think that has anything to do with it? Like the like the stock market is actually just being more saturated with money because there's just more people to invest now because it's of of things like robo advisors and and you know Robinhood. Like literally, like it was. It was kind of, I mean, like even 10 years ago, if you wanted to buy stock in Apple, like the average person pr- probably wouldn't even know how to do that. Mm. I didn't, I certainly didn't know how to do that. Like there wasn't like, oh, just go to Robinhood and type in a thing and add your credit card. Like you're done. So we're, we're researching an episode that's going to come out a bit later this month. Yeah. Um, and I would say no. And, and I would say no, because the amount of money that like US homes yeah. are investing in, in addition really isn't that much in terms right. of like the total amount of money out there. They're just, the money is in the market versus other places. All right. Well, what do you think then real quick is causing um, this high, is causing things to be expensive? People are intoxicated with the past right. successes and, mm. you know, and th- what these numbers say is that they believe that it's going to continue to happen in the future. And like, look, Regardless of what you feel politics wise, if if a Democrat comes into office, the market will probably drop because no, if they're <laughs> proposing Medicare for all, you know, that's not very favorable to business. Yeah. Not to say that it is negative to the economy, but like right. we said, the stock market is not the economy. Yes. And so, you know, a lot of these bets are placed on things that are more feelings. Mm. Um interesting. So anyways, and this is just my speculation. I don't know anything. And all of this is just your argument for why you want to kind of, you know, things are expensive, so you're not going to be focusing a lot of of your income in 2020 into the stock market specifically. Or you're going to start to diversify a little bit. To kind of like anchor this, whatever I've invested is staying invested because when I invest, I believed in it at that point and it's kind of like a long forever. And so new dollars, Uh I want to not put into super expensive things. So I'm trying to find like deals elsewhere. All right. You want to talk about those deals elsewhere because we need to take a break. All right. So after the break, we're going to explain the other two thirds of your plan and or three thirds. We didn't talk about the first third, but all right, well, let's go three thirds then. That's I don't even know if that's a thing. Okay. So uh, we'll be right back. All right. Tell me about your uh, three thirds plan. What's (laughs) What's the one we missed? So the, the first third, I'm putting into the the golden butterfly. So of yes. the money, Laura and I have plans, uh, roughly what we expect to invest this year based on what we've done last year and mm-hmm. our expected earnings and blah, blah, blah. Um, we've, we have been contributing about half of our money into the golden butterfly okay. in 2019. And the other and half is where? The other half has been into Fundrise. Okay, so REITs. Right. And so I'm going to kind of like break everything down. But right now, going forward in 2020, about a third um, is going to go into the golden butterfly. You know, it includes gold, commodities. Yes. We have a great episode. If you Google it, I believe we're number one in Google for golden butterfly. Um, hmm. And the reason that uh, I want to do this is, you know, I obviously think the stock market is an important piece of, you know, our portfolio. Right. Um, and it's highly liquid. If I wanted to sell my money that's, you know, invested in the piece of the golden butterfly and go buy a boat, which I wouldn't, you know, whatever I could, I could literally do it within a day. Yes. And I need my money to be liquid to a degree. Yep. So, so that's one third. Okay. You know, and we'll, and we'll link to the golden butterfly in the show notes and yada, yada, yada. Yep. Um, the second third, um, which was the other half, uh, is going into Fundrise. Yep. Um, without beating the horse to the bloody pulp. Um, I really, really believe in their investment methodology. They tend to seek deals. They explain every every acquisition that they do, they explain in like murderous detail. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they kind of just, they're very uh, transparent. And the returns have been awesome so far. Um, yeah. I can get behind the things that they're investing. Um, their liquidity 
potential is like quarterly. So you could sell it up to four times a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so not like the stock market. But but also the investments are n- unlike you would get elsewhere. Right. Not like investing in pure real estate where things right. are not like, as easily liquid liquefied. Exactly. They're like these mid-level deals. Like they're they're like $10 million deals on like a 200 door apartment building that they'll renovate and you know, and um it's ownership focused, the stuff in Fundrise invest in, so I get quarterly dividends. Um and, and I just uh, Yeah. So so uh real quick, just to kind of recap in a way because I may want to follow this. So for the golden butterfly, the the stock market uh, third of your invested uh, total investments, you're using M1 finance in order to to achieve this golden butterfly split, which you cannot do with a lot of other uh, online. Like you could exactly. do with a robo advisor unless you were like uh, unless you're talking big money, right? Because I think with with Betterment, you have to kind of have over a hundred grand total. Yeah, and and so the the reason uh, I think M1 Finance is a really good tool for this is you create what is called a pie, mm-hmm. and then you put the funds in. And so if you go to the Golden Butterfly article, I kind of break down the components and the percentages. So you could just literally do in like two seconds. I mean, it's super easy. The the Golden Butterfly proportional pie. Yeah, and then you invest into the pie, yeah. and M1 Finance will split your money up okay. where it needs to go. Um, if so, you if, automate it. Yeah. So the one the one troubling part about that is uh, M1 Finance goes away, just like we've seen a, a couple other ones go away uh, last year. Uh, there's the SIPC, um, and so your your money is covered. No, no, no. I, mean, I know your money's covered, but where? What's your what's your alternative to M1? Where would you where would you go? I could I could pick any broker and do it okay. manually. Yeah. It's just uh, I don't want to manage it. You know, I want to kind of like set the strategy. And so this is the only way I've seen to completely automate it. Okay. So it's a monthly withdrawal yep. automated on the day I set and it goes in, fixes drift and all this good stuff. And okay. I move on with my life. So then um, with the REITs and Fundrise, um, mm-hmm. again, like Fundrise being like you just buy into their method, methodology, method, I don't know what I'm saying. Methodology. Methodology. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... So you so it's very easy for you to buy into something like that. You can buy REITs elsewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Probably in a more manual fashion. Um, so so they're uh, cheaper than and generally more performant than than the other REITs. But what is cool about Fundrise is, like Betterment, you could just set a broad investment. Like I want to be balanced. I want to f- be long term. I want to be short term. And they'll kind of invest. They have like a bunch of mini REITs mm-hmm. under Fundrise, so they could do it like that. Or you could do more like I have done, where you say like, "I would invest in a growth REIT. I would invest in the heartland of the U.S., and then your investments will concentrate there." Right. Uh, if someone wanted to get started with Fundrise, what would be your strategy for like someone like me to start, you know, putting money into something like Fundrise? Well. I don't know if you're like teeing me up for this, but if you love us, you can go to listenmymatters.com slash toolbox. You could sign up there. But what I would do specifically- I was definitely not teeing you up for that. No, I know. I just, I just took that. Uh, <laughs> what, what I would do is I, if I was you, I would put into Fundrise and I would put your money towards the long-term growth uh, strategy, which is more equity-focused. Uh, it takes longer to play out. Basically, they buy an apartment, they renovate it. You're not going to be earning dividends much in the beginning, but as you know, they kind of hit scale with you know whatever. Uh, it's, it's more income later okay. versus the debt investments, which are rather consistent. And and how much does it cost for me to start in Fundrise? I believe the minimum is five hundred dollars. Five hundred bucks. So five hundred dollars, and then you, and then can I, and then once I start with five hundred, do I can I put in like a hundred bucks a month, like a robo advisor, or like yeah, you, yeah, okay, and and that's how I would do it. I think the initial investment is far less important than the consistency. Okay, all right. Don't do five thousand and then never again. Do a hundred. Do five hundred, then a hundred dollars a month forever. Okay, got it. Know? All right, cool. So then that's where the other third. So you have there, those. That's two thirds. Now your final third, which is which is new, right? This is mm. a this is a third that you have not invested in before, or maybe deciding to put a little bit more of your uh, income towards it. What is the third thing? So, uh, well, I mean, it's not like super new. 
Uh, Laura and I bought rental properties. Yeah. Um, we have and, three. And you don't consider that as part of the third, right? The the the, the REIT third, right? No, I don't. And and the okay. reason is because uh, I I thought about it in terms of like liquidity. Yes. Um, and I'm and they're they're different deals you'd get into, but. Buying rental properties, I basically said like no liquidity or low. Like I yeah. buy a rental property, I'm intending to own that virtually forever. Yeah. Um, and so we had bought three properties, mm -hmm. and then uh, we took like I don't know, like I think it was like a two to three year break. I mm -hmm. wasn't because well, it was able so to... wasn't it so stressful that it was kind of like I just need a break from the stress. It, it wasn't that it was like so stressful. It was we we. We have a specific type of deal that yeah. we're looking for, um, and we just couldn't find it. We th we felt that it was too expensive, or I wasn't willing to like. Whereas Fundrise, you could put five hundred dollars in a rental property. You're going to put between like ten and thirty in for the type of deals that I would do. And mm -hmm. so, I want a very specific type thing, and I'm not really willing to compromise. Mm. I was looking, I didn't see stuff, so I kind of gave up. Okay. Um, and, uh, the tides are kind of turning. I have these like cool graphs that I think you see in the show notes because you see it now, but I'll, I'll include, uh, the housing market is softening, um, across the country, mm -hmm. specific, pretty much everywhere except for the Northeast, Northeast is where it's like getting cheaper. Yeah. Um, Mortgage rates are even lower than when I first started doing it. I actually couldn't imagine them being lower. Um, and I was like looking into uh, inflation and, and leverage. I, I thought this was like super interesting. So um, if you put 20% into a property, um, and let's just say that the property increases 3% every year, so yep. like roughly inflation. Um because you're using the bank's money, mm -hmm. uh, you actually wind up getting, you're locking in a 15% cash on cash return because you're earning 3% with 80% of someone else's yeah. money. Yeah. And so, first of all, by far, they've been the most performant investment that we've had. Um, I mean, you know, the best I returns, wanna, right? It's just. Yeah, it, but the liquidity is low, so I couldn't like liquidity is low, but ca but like you're getting paid often, like you're getting those dividends like constantly. So in in compared to Fundrise, which I really like, we're getting between two and three times uh, the the cash returns. Mm -hmm. So div Fundrise gives us dividends, mm -hmm. we're getting two to three times the cash returns with our rental properties, given the same amount of dollars. Yeah, and so. But obviously, higher risk. High risk because you're putting in 10, 20 grand as opposed to 500 bucks and right. and not liquid, basically, like not liquid. Mm. So, like, you're out that 10, 20 grand if, if, uh, if you need it. Exactly. And so it was really these like uh, three factors um, really like feeling the love with leverage and just the rates are so low. I, I know. just kind of feel I like know. I'd be a fool not to lock in take something advantage. now, right? Um, prices have gone down. They've been going down consistently for a few months, yeah. aside from the East Coast. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, just that. Oh, and, and also, uh, I have this cool graph. Rents have been ticking up consistently across the board um, at a rather steady clip. Um, that makes sense. Mm. All right. So then you're going to get back into buying more rental properties. So we're looking to acquire like two to three this year mm -hmm. and as like a icing because we're, we're doing this rental property course, I figured mm -hmm. I might as well go through the process again. Sure. Um, so that it's like super fresh, fresh in my mind. Yep. Yep. Um, okay. I mean, what, how, how much time does it take to do the, the, the rental property stuff? Like, cause it is, it is kind of like a job, right? So I would say uh, per property, um, maybe Laura and I, and, and this is like going onto like Roofstock or whatever and like clicking through their site, probably uh, five, maybe eight hours of like hunting to find an individual property. Mm -hmm. And then really it's like a handful of emails up till closing, maybe some total of an hour and then, you know, closings an hour. So I'd right. say like, but then, I mean, but then 
managing it and you know just dealing with the taxes at the end I of the send, year and all the, I, mean, I send less than one email a month on average for mm-hmm. my properties and i often when they say like hey the tenant's late or whatever my default reply is like what do you think i should do yeah and they tell me and then i just kind of like but what do you do when you're when you have vacancies mm. so like you you know because you are still paying that mortgage it's not like the, the house is just sitting there like you maybe you put down 10 or 20 grand as your down payment and you're, if you're talking about twenty grand as your down payment, that's a hundred thousand dollar house. So, right? so this this goes into like our. I, I think there's like a lot to say about the the model in terms of evaluating the properties, and then yeah. like the structure you put in place so that you don't really have to think about that. So, mm-hmm. all of the income goes into an account. We have we've we have a calculated minimum that we keep in the account. Um, it's five thousand dollars for yeah. uh, our properties because that's the deductible. Yeah. Um. And then any work or vacancy draws that down, which is fine because $5,000 in Georgia goes really, really far. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, it, I don't really think about it. And then anything above 5000 I just call into my personal accounts. Mm-hmm. So it's really about just like the killer team doing the work, uh, making sure that I have the financial buffer that I can make the correct decision, not yeah. like the shit I don't have money decision. Yeah, and then just letting it roll. Yeah. So, so, um, how many more? You said how many more properties are you planning on getting next year? Hoping to get uh, two to three. Two to three. Okay. So, um, if you're gonna get two to three, what are you planning on spending for those two to three? About sixty grand. I, I would say uh, up to seventy five thousand. For the three total, and you have the cash to do that, mm. right? And and the way that I'm viewing it is that uh, we're contributing monthly into these three buckets. Mm-hmm. Like we have the cash, we could start acquiring properties now, but like every month, I'm going to be putting a third, third, third. Mm-hmm. But the third for the rental property piece will just sit until an acquisition happens. Got it. So uh, you buy the place, and then um, you now you obviously already have a team in place you already have a system you already know what you're doing so for you the the cost of acquisition is is gr- less because you know what to do now and you and know, the work whereas, is less cuz it's just going yeah. into what i've already yeah and if you're going if you're going to if you're trying to like you know you have a property management company that you deal with that you really like and if you're trying to get in that same region so that they could manage that property then you're you know obviously your your process doesn't change all that much but if you're somebody who is just getting started with this you know, like it's, it's a, it's quite a bit, it's quite a bit more work. And then, and then the question becomes like, well, you know, if you, if you're just starting out and let's say like in my case, uh, I put a, you know, if it's just me, you know, me, you know how much I make. Um, if I'm putting a third in the stock market, golden butterfly, I'm putting a third into REITs with Fundrise, and then Mm -hmm. I'm putting a third into a savings account. So until I have enough money to put the down payment in on a place, like, would you recommend that strategy for someone like me? So I I would. And the reason that I would, um, and this is even more acute, you knowing my personal situation. Thank you. I appreciate that. But I mean, I I do think I'm good looking. Yeah, you are pretty cute. Yeah, you are. You are (laughs) a cute. Yeah. Income needs to be diversified. It is literally the reason I started Listen Money Matters. Mm-hmm. It is the thing that has driven me to create other businesses. And I just need to not have everything in one, all my eggs in one basket. And so the tides of the internet come and go, whatever. Um, I need money, earning me money that I could literally go and buy food with. Mm. Interesting. Because you would it's say it's all great that, until it's gone, right? So, in, the the idea of diversifying income, right, as opposed to like when you just think about diversifying investments, which is income, but like diversifying even where that comes from. Like, for example, you know, I make my money on the internet with one specific business, but that's that's all in one. That's all income from one thing, right? I don't have and like and even you know part of my follow up. To this, you know, kind of build you up to this is to be like, well, why wouldn't you, as somebody who's very interested in the same things that I'm interested in, just start another business, you know, and use that as your other income? And I mean an internet business because that's mm. what you do for that's what you do, and you're very good at so it now. But you know that we have three 
I consider three businesses. Yeah. And the thing is, uh, most of our money, well, I, I actually, I was debating if I even included business investment in part of this. Uh -huh. And to be honest, at least half of my yearly investments are going into our businesses. You know, businesses earning money, kind of funding future so growth. It, so yes. But the the thing, yeah, yes. Yeah, and nothing uh, returns greater than that. That's the best return. But the problem is they all require my time. Yeah. And I did not realize, I thought I was really golden with this stuff until babies happened <laughs> right. and I didn't have time and I realized mm. how much they actually still require. Right. And so I need to um, put money into things. Like if I was incapacitated or I don't know, it just. All right. So here's, so here's what it looks like. It's like. Well, I mean, look, I, I look, I am one of those people who is if I became incapacitated, uh, I, my businesses would be fine mm. um, or one of them would be. Uh, so I'm like I've and I've built took me a long time to get there, but like I literally don't work on one of my businesses anymore. But it's the same thing you did with the rental properties where you've like put these systems in place to where, you know, you're sort of like one email a month. But uh, it's sort of like, you know, we talked about um, this idea that like. And I don't know where the hell I came up with this or why I thought of this now and if this even relates, but imagine like, you know, like investing in, you know, a Roth IRA and a brokerage account and a savings account and like, well, not even a savings account, but all these accounts in Betterment is like investing in an apartment complex. Yes, you own all the different units, but if the apartment complex burns down, you lose all those units. Whereas yes. is instead investing in a development where you have individual houses all separated. If one house burns down, it doesn't burn down all the other houses, you know? And so like you, the way that you think about your houses in general is, you know, the stock market is a one house. Your business mm -hmm. is another house. REITs are a different house and it literally houses are another house. Yeah. And, you know, uh, is there anything else we're missing? Is there other things <laughs> we could be doing? Is there other houses we can buy? Uh, figuratively speaking. Not that I know of, you know, I mean, there's different types of businesses that are not dependent on the Internet. Right. Right. Um, so it'd be like, you know, ice cream shop. Yeah. Ice cream shop. Yep. It's <laughs> true. Different. Yeah. Different. There's different ways to get income. And then and then in your case, like one of those is like the stock market almost i'd say zero times super liquid but low reward right mm. Re and so many it is so accessible and so many people can go into that and as you right. kind of make it a little bit more difficult or mm -hmm. or even percept perceived difficult because it used to just be less competition right and so you're going to get better value yeah and then reits are maybe a little bit of a barrier to entry still the kind of the same you know reward as uh it was, it was the same reward as like being in the stock market like you're not getting like you're not getting like tons of income but you're getting consistent income in a different industry right yeah okay you know so fundrise then, not being on the open market which yeah you know is a positive and negative yeah you know negative to liquidity positive perhaps to exclusiveness right okay so the 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 con of so like the the you know if we're going to go with the pros and cons of everything which i want to do so just to kind of reiterate the pros of being in the stock market is anybody can do it. It's it's low risk technically, and mm -hmm. uh, it's you know also you know it's easy. Mm -hmm. The con is that the rewards are lower, and and um, it's it is one thing, right? But all of these are kind of one thing. The pros of being in a REIT is it's accessible. Um, the cons are though, that the rewards are the same as the stock market. Plus it's not as liquid as the stock market. So it specifically has, when it goes to Fundrise, if you bought yes. a, a read on the open market, it Different. would be more liquid. Okay. Um, because if you're buying into the methodology of, of Fundrise and that's just how they do things. Right. Right. Okay. The third thing being the rental properties is, um, and I just want to explain real quick, like a read on the open market, you know, like those storage companies with the red doors. Yes. And stuff like REITs own companies like that. Commercial real so, estate. Right. But, you know, kind of like a business. And it's not, I guess, how I would necessarily view what I would want out of a REIT, which is why I've gone to. That's fair. But you're also mm -hmm. making like, you know, the same types of returns as you would be in the stock market with REITs, right? You're not like doing like double the amount that you would get in a it stock has, market. Not to say that this is what continues in the future, sure. but over the past four or five, whatever year, actually. 
I have it right here. Over the past one, two, three, four, five. After the past five years, it has outperformed the stock market. Okay. You know, not to say that that continues in the future. But, but how? By how much though? Because that's important. Oh, uh, okay. I mean, like a few percentage, percentage points. points. Okay. Yeah. Um. So so the so the the ri- the the con there is not as liquid, mm. really. Yes. Um. So then you have the rental property sector. Uh, where you're actually buying rental properties. So the the pros there are the returns are very high, right? Mm. Uh, if you do everything right, because they right. can be shitty. Mm. Uh, the cons are it's expensive. You got to, mm. I mean, you have to have capital. I shouldn't say it's expensive, but you you have to have capital to get into it. So you have to have a, a, a surplus of, of cash to, to buy. Um, you have to do your research. There's a lot. So that means there's more work, which I consider a con, right? There's more mm. like, in, you know, research. And set up. And you know what does also work? Work. Work is work, right? No, I'm not. I'm getting to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, the other con is that it's like it, it's basically just not liquid, mm-hmm. right? And, it's, and it is liquid, but it but only if you sell, right? And it's which is and hard in my to eyes, it, it in terms of the work level, yeah, vastly less than the businesses, that right? So so um, two cons, but b- greater returns. And and one of those cons being time, which is I think is a, is the, like the most important asset any of us have, right? Mm. The fourth thing is is starting a business. Uh, the pros being that it has the most reward. Again, For sure. uh, again, essentially, uh, again, assuming everything goes, assuming you do the correct work and you do everything right, you do the research, the same as a rental property, but the returns are way greater on a business than it would be on a rental property because at least a business is scalable and a rental property really isn't. Right. The cons being that um, turn your hair gray really quickly. Yeah. The cons being time, really time mm. and, and, you know, time being work in this uh, scenario. Um, and depending on the type of business you get in, it could be a very high risk in f- financial risk as well. Mm. Um, and obviously, you're, you know, with time, you're sacrificing other things like, you know, actually getting an, a, a job somewhere else where you can be making consistent income without all the stress. So, I think that it kind of you're, that's kind of the ladder there. It has like mm-hmm. a ladder effect, right? Where the first thing is being like the easiest, and then it kind of gets harder and harder as you go up, but the returns get greater and greater, right? Right. Um, and then just having each piece of the ladder mitigates the risk. So if one rung breaks, right, you have all that you have your money in other baskets. Yeah. Or is there rungs. anything else that like? Because I mean, so for me in 2020, um, I have very low interest in real estate investing not REITs but personal like you know buying a rental property only because I kind of I think I have a little bit of PTSD from my my first mm. place you didn't do any math or analysis or no and it wasn't that wasn't the point either I wasn't buying it as a rental property I was buying it as a place that I was going to live <laughs> and I was at, at like the peak the, the storied at the yeah so it's story just, or again like I got a little burned and so I'm a little afraid what to I would go say to your for fire you again. is if you are so against it which you I'm know, not against give, it I know given I know it's like I, one of if not the biggest asset classes to invest in yes you know I would say you absolutely need to diversify your income yes you know you specifically, maybe yep. even more than most people listening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think it's important anyways because uh, you want to be able to make the best decisions at all times. And if you're in this cash crunch or things happen, you may be forced to make decisions that are not great for the long term mm-hmm. to get you through the short term. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is during the great times, you put the pieces in place so that you could just kind of stay the course. Yeah. And so, um, so I'm not really into that as like a money making, as like an income generation tool for myself. I I still have my property in New Jersey. I plan to keep it for <laughs> till it burns down, uh, because there's no sense in me selling it. Uh, I would just take a bath on it, and and the stress right now is pretty mitigated because I have a property manager and things are okay. But, um, you know, that's kind of my plan for there. I, I am just um. There's something, and I talk about this constantly, there's something I've always wanted in life and I am going to get it um, because life is too fucking short as I've recently Mm. learned. And so I think like there's just, you know, I like my businesses. I'm good at doing them. I want to continue investing my money there. I think it would be, I think it would be a good idea for me to invest in uh, the stock market, which I'm currently doing as well. 
I think it's important for me to maybe invest in reach just to diversify just even a tad bit in something mm-hmm. else. Um, but I still want a house and nothing's changed. The only difference that is, is now I'm like, I'm kind of where I, I do want to find the bargain. I do want to find the value. The, the home prices are low, but it doesn't mean I need to buy something brand new. And I think that I, I can provide a lot of value as a person to make something better than it was. Um, so yeah, I think that's a good plan. Hmm. And, and the re- really the only thing you're going to be changing is just the amounts that you're putting towards these areas, right? Because you're kind of already doing them. I'm basically cutting in rental properties again. I took a break. I was doing half golden, half Funrise, and now um, I I just need consistent income. I'm 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 done playing around. Okay. I want to replace my my life expenses with uh, something that I can count on. Okay. Maybe retain some of my non-gray hairs in the future. It doesn't look that great. It's the race to, you know. (laughs) Well, nothing has to be a race. Mm. Slow and steady wins the race, as they say. That's true. Well, I mean, there's something to say about having at least three brown hairs left. So it's the race to, you know. Your hair's still brown. I know. (laughs) (laughs) That's like me saying I'm getting gray. That's why I have to start now. I have like one gray, like I have like one gray strand in my beard. And I'm Mm. like doesn't bother me does it bother you it actually doesn't it's no, just a, it's a funny thing to say right yeah yeah um is there anything else we missed or need to cover before we head out we definitely yes. went a little long uh, just that when i am full gray i will be a silver fox okay and you heard it here uh, first <laughs> there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay i mean hey that's uh Miguel now just, i think we touched upon everything all right thank you so if you missed anything though uh, like you said earlier in the show, we will have everything in the show notes. You can either check your preferred podcast app or visit listenmoneymatters.com slash show. And please subscribe wherever you normally listen to podcasts. There's a new podcast app for the Mac. Have you have you used that at all? No. That, like So now they separated podcast out of iTunes, and now oh. it has its own podcasting app on the new Catalina. I think it's called Catalina. Ooh. Yeah, it's kind of nice. Um but anyway, whatever you use doesn't doesn't need to be Apple, obviously. Um, just subscribe wherever you normally listen to podcasts and tell your friends about us and point them to your favorite episodes so they will hopefully become a subscriber as well. And if you have any questions or topics that you'd like us to discuss on a future episode of this show, perhaps even about the one we just did, you can email us, listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. As always, I'll say that again listenmoneymatters at gmail.com and all the tools and resources we normally mention on this show are available at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. That's it. All right. Later, Andrew. Later, dude. Please tell your friends about this show.